Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Can AI predict and influence our behavior? I'm thrilled today to have Nir Eyal, best-selling author of Hooked and Indistractable, on the show to discuss his insider view of the next evolution of persuasive technology. You'll learn how AI has the potential to build customized experiences, move from observing behavior to predicting it, and guide users with suggestions for future results. This fascinating discussion will change how you think about the power of data to shape your choices. So let's explore how artificial intelligence may soon influence human behavior. But before we do that, if you haven't grabbed a copy of Nier's book, Indistractable, I highly recommend you do it. It's a practical guide for how to harness your attention to be the most productive, engaged, and present version of yourself. So now let's move to our conversation with Nier. So let's lean in and learn from the best. As AI becomes more integrated into our lives, what are your thoughts or implications that AI can predict and influence human behavior? So I think we're definitely going to see that. I think what's going to happen is uh, fits nicely into the investment phase of the hook model. The investment phase, so this is back to book number one about how to build habit-forming products. So the investment phase is where the user puts something into the product to make it better with use. So what we're going to see in the future is personalization at scale. So everybody is going to have a personalized version of virtually every product they use. What you're going to see is mass customization for individuals. And of course, that makes things a lot better, <laughs> right? That right. when I know your tastes and preferences, it should lead to higher user engagement. Yeah, I think contextualization is also a key there. There's like personalization and contextualization. And I think the more contextualized the recommendation, the more powerful it's going to become. Do you use any of these tools right now? ChatGPT, I use like every day. <laughs> and so does my daughter. It's a, it's a wonderful tool. How do you use it? I use it for all kinds of things. Like if I want something that's difficult to Google, my daughter had, she was studying for history. She took the AP history test and she was writing an essay on how was the Ottoman Empire, how was the relationship with technology, very apropos for our discussion, similar to modern times, something to that effect. And so that's not something you can Google. <laughs> right? Yeah. Answer to. Where do you start with that? But you could put that into ChatGPT and it gave a really darn good answer. <laughs> that was mm. very interesting with citations and very logical. And there's all kinds of things like that. Like if I'm doing research, I'm writing another book soon and just doing research into the specifics of finding facts and figures, it's, it's way, way easier. For, not for everything, but for mm -hmm. many things, it's a lot easier to use uh, ChatGPT than it is Google. So what do you think the next evolution in habit-building technology is going to be? Is it just going to be AI, or what's the next point of innovation that people aren't thinking about or haven't dug into yet? The biggest untapped opportunity that we're going to see exploited over the next decade or so is going to be a shift from tools and technologies that give you lagging indicators to tools and technologies that can give you leading indicators. What do I mean by that? So I work a lot in the health tech space, and it's been a real struggle. This is why I always kind of chuckle when people think, oh my God, technology's uh, you know, changing our behavior and it's uh, getting us to do things we didn't want to do. And I was like, you know, I always think to myself, wow, if it was just that easy, you know, I, I put a lot of tactics in the book and they're good, they work, but they're not that good. It's not mind control. If it was mind control, then we'd all have six pack abs and we'd all speak six languages because there's apps that try and get us to change our behavior, but changing behavior is really, really hard. 
But I think one step that's going to get us closer to helping people change their behavior that they themselves want to change is that I think when it comes to health tech, and I think we're going to see this permeate throughout many industries, the big problem, I'll just use health tech as an example, the big problem has always been that the data that is given to the user is a lagging indicator. So you get home from work and you only walk 6,000 steps, but your watch tells you you should have walked 10,000. Well, what am I going to do now, right? It's eight o'clock at night. It's too late. I'm not going to go on a walk now. It's too late. That's a lagging indicator. And so everything you see with the data that's given to you in all sorts of various applications, whether it's enterprise software, financial services, education, they're always lagging indicators. What AI is going to be able to do for us is give us leading indicators. It's going to say, hey, Eric, we see you have a flight coming up on Tuesday. And so this weekend, you really should get some extra sleep because last time when you took this flight, you didn't sleep very well because of the time zone changed. So you really want to bank up some hours. So go to sleep now so that you can bank some hours later. You can see that type of application in all sorts of places, right? Whether it's, hey, your marketing campaign is doing this, it's time to do that. Your money is doing X, Y, Z, but before that happens, you should take these steps. So I do think we'll have a future where you will have a little AI assistant or something like it that basically tells you what actions you should take now to avoid or to try and get certain things in the future. And that today isn't really possible. Outside of your field, Are there any books or authors that have profoundly influenced your thinking or approach to life? Can I change the question a little bit? I'll tell you a book I read recently that I highly recommend. Sure. I'm a big fan of Rory Sutherland, writes about behavioral economics. I read a lot of behavioral economics books, but he just wrote a great book that I think is highly underrated called Alchemy. Not the best title, I'll be honest. I don't think he titled it very well, but but it's a wonderful, wonderful book. Here, I have it right here. The Surprising Power of Ideas That Don't Make Sense. This is a book that I I really, really enjoyed. If you like behavioral economics, human psychology, as applied to business specifically, I think that's a great book. So where do you go to learn? I mean, you're really, I I hate to just say smart guy, uh, because that kind of trivializes things. Where do you go to learn? Where's your well? Thank you. That's very kind of you to say. I appreciate that. If you knew me better, you might change your mind. (laughs) 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 What I've tried to do is to be knowledgeable about a very small set of things (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I know nothing about engineering, right? Like nothing. Mm -hmm. My my daughter's just took her AP chemistry test. I have no clue what that's about. (laughs) So so I don't, I think it's, I think it's good to be T-shaped as they say, right? To know just a little bit about all kinds of stuff, but go really deep in something that really fascinates Mm -hmm. you. And so I think one mantra that I think has guided me is to always follow your energy letting curiosity guide you is very, very powerful because then you never get sick of learning. You know, the the number one reason people don't accomplish their goals is because they stop, they quit. Well, why do we quit? We quit because we don't feel like continuing. Oh, you know what? I really wanted to get in shape, but I didn't feel like going to the gym. Uh, I really wanted to start that business, but it was really hard and feel like continuing. I really wanted to get my degree, but uh, I didn't feel like it. It's always just a feeling. And so that's incredibly empowering. And one of the life hacks, I think, the reason it's so empowering is because when you can find that joy, that variability, that mystery, that's the ultimate hack, right? So to follow your curiosity. And so that's kind of what I've done in this very narrow field of consumer psychology and behavioral design. That's uh, kind of carried me forward. And, but where yeah. do I go? You have to answer your question, where do I go? I try and get most of my information from, from books. I like long form ideas. I try and do very little in terms of consuming content on social media uh, because I, I don't feel it has the the richness of a blog post. I'd much rather read a blog post. I have a ton of RSS 
feeds that I subscribe to. One life hack that I have definitely used, this might be interesting. So on my phone, app I absolutely love, I've used for years, very habit forming, is called Pocket. Looks like that, Pocket. And you see it has that little 20 on there. That's how many articles I have in my queue. So every day I have time to put all kinds of articles that I get from all over the web. And I have a little Chrome extension on my browser that I hit one button and that article goes to Pocket. And then it connects to what's called an app called Voice Dream that reads those articles to me. And when do I listen to those articles? I listen to them while I'm exercising. So now I've got this multiple benefits, right? I'm multitasking because the reward for exercising is that I get to listen to my articles. Well, what does that also do? It prevents me from having to read them on the web. So I have a rule, I never read articles on the web. Never, ever, ever. Because what happens when I read articles on the web? I'm sorry, Eric, I know you work with ink, right? Yeah. I read lots of articles on ink, but I don't read them on the website. I read them through this app. Because what I don't want to happen is I don't want to get taken down this content vortex of, oh, that looks good, and that article looks interesting, and let me just keep reading, reading, reading. So I'll save, save, save dozens of articles. I probably go through 50 a day, but I listen to them. That's kind of my, my major input source. Really smart. <laughs> I'm thinking about this because I'm like, okay, when I exercise, I love to listen to podcasts or things that really start stimulating my mind. I don't know if there's a connection between things like BDNF that are released during aerobic exercise or irisin with resistance training and it impacts your brain. And then I don't know if there's ever going to be some type of connectivity that we learn that you're going to speed up your learning process. But for me, it's a two-way street. I absolutely love that idea. So I'm going to take this little hack. Nir, I appreciate you in a lot of ways. I appreciate the work that you're doing, the impact that you're having. Thank you for coming on the blueprint and sharing this with a different group of people and I'm excited for them to be able to consume your your books and then to follow up. And I'm excited about whatever you're writing about in the future. <laughs> Let me know. You come back on the blueprint and share about it, okay? I really appreciate that. Likewise, the admiration is mutual and uh, keep up the great work. And thank you so much for having me on. Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you enjoyed one of these episodes with Nir, do me a favor, follow him on social media and share your favorite episode with a friend. Also, I highly recommend grabbing his book, Indistractable. I know I've said it probably 20 times, but it is absolutely phenomenal. That's why I had him on the show. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you in the next episode.